You're listening to the MLS Fantasy Insider, bringing you weekly tips, tricks, and advice for the official MLS Fantasy game. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the MLS Fantasy Insider, our League's Cup break discussion on fantasy strategy. This episode is brought to you by the World Cup. Yeah, that's also going on right now. And yes, the games are longer. Uh, uh, no, uh, actually uh, brought to you by our amazing MLSFI Patreon supporters. It's because of you that we're able to keep this project going for as long as we have. Uh, be sure to check back to the Patreon the next couple of days to see the voting opening for our 2023 uh, magnet and uh, sticker, or sorry, magnet and pen uh, design. So it should be a lot of fun. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com. And tonight I'm joined by my partner in fantasy, Blaine Riffle, making it back to the show after a bit of a hiatus. Uh, we'd also like to welcome our special panel of guests. So we have uh, three of the top players from our exclusive Discord experts chat channel that we have. Yes, that's actual, actually a thing. We have uh, Megan Josh Turner, and then we also have Matthew, who's joining us again a uh, second time on the show this this year. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Excited to be here. They all beat you, Blaine. Yeah, yeah, you didn't ask how we were doing, so I didn't have my good intro. Well, I said welcome. <laughs> and see, I mean, that's you, but you've been gone so long that everything is rusty. Ashley is gone. Ashley was actually super mean to us today, everyone. She she sent a message on Twitter and she was like, I'm so glad that there's no fantasy. And I was like, ouch, ouch, you, you're killing me, Ashley. Enjoy your vacation. That's what it was. She was glad that she was on vacation and wasn't stressing about fantasy. So totally get it. That's fine. We glad We are glad she's having fun and look forward to having her back for a discussion next week. So as I previewed... Last week, we were talking about what kind of content do we could we have to fill the three weeks uh, that we wanted to for this League's Cup break, because we still wanted to put out some content. Uh, make sure you all don't fall out of your pattern of checking the streams and everything. But we wanted it to be valuable, and uh, we had some ideas during the show, got some affirmation for those ideas, and people were interested in hearing about fantasy strategy. And so as I mentioned about, about an experts channel, we do have a uh, an invite-only channel on Discord. It's called The Club. And a lot of the people who are in, uh, who come to the show are are in that that group. A lot of people who participate in the MLS Fantasy Insider Invitational are in that group. And it's, it's some of the original core members of the group, some of the constant and frequent contributors and supporters of of the show and the platform who are in, in that group. And some of the very best players, some of the past winners of the game are all in that group. And so uh, everyone here is, is a member of that chat and they're excited to share um, successes and failures and just general strategy approaches. So I know some of you who are veteran members, I don't know, maybe this is not gonna be all new stuff to you, but it could be some some affirmations of what you like to do and just hearing some of the ways different people approach, I think it's always valuable. And for you new players to the game, uh, I think this is gonna be a great opportunity for you to maybe better understand some of the, the strategies or just get a, a, a bit of um, a feel for how you could help evolve your game for the rest of the season or for next year. So I, I hope you enjoy what we have, but... Uh, Thanks again, everyone, for being able to come. I know we had to shift the days around some, but uh, it's it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. I got some questions already from the Discord 
chat, uh, people who join us in chat here on YouTube, you are welcome to post some questions as we're going along. And I will keep checking on those and so that we can try to work those in as needed. And we'll just kind of kind of more free form um, round table episode this week. So let, uh, let's just start with the first general question that really started this this all. And I'll let you all uh, introduce yourselves and talk any about sort of the, the fantasy background that you'd like to share. Uh, but particularly, what is your approach to how you play the fantasy game and how's it working out this year and how's it worked out for you in the past? So I guess it's probably only right to start with our uh, double square up here in the top left with uh, with you guys. So Meg, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, so I'm kind of opposite of my husband. I like to play the differential game. Um, so when I'm looking at prospective players, I usually look at, say, 85% chalk. Um, and then I'll throw like high upside differential on the bench. Um, I have played this way for nine seasons. Um, the first season was probably my best as far as like hitting on the differentials. Um, this year has kind of been a roller coaster, although I'm still probably highest rank that I've ever had, which is not near what it was like six, seven weeks ago, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've slipped, but it is what it is. So I'm making my way back up. It's just a slow process, but um, he and I are complete opposites, so... Um, you want to comment? Yeah, I'm full chalk. Um, I will take um, what I learned from this podcast and some of the lineups that I see posted in the Discord kind of formulate my own kind of conclusion between what I see. Uh, and then um, um, I do go by X Chaco on, um, on Discord now because of it. Um, and yeah, uh, one of our biggest things is um, whoever... We cannot captain the same player. It never pans out for us. So we always have to make sure that our captains do not match. Um, otherwise, we both regret it deeply. Um, I feel like that, that's, a, that's a fun couple fantasy quirk <laughs> that right there. Yeah. I'm sure Ashley gets it It's something. really bad when we both want the same captain. So it's a, a fight to the death um, to um, determine who gets that one and then who has to pivot. So Matthew. But yeah, that, that's our strategy, I guess. Um, this is my third year playing, so maybe I'm still formulating my actual strategy. But um, I go by Tinkerman in the Discord group chat, and so I, that's how I play. I like to tinker, whether it's a good idea or not. I think it makes it more fun for me. Um, and so usually how I start is I make my team, or like at least know what I'm going to um, target, and then look at the chat, and then figure out who I potentially am going to tinker into. So I have a little bit of a plan in my head. So I don't just go willy nilly because last year and the year before I'd go willy nilly. And there's one game I started or Sebastian Blanco last season. He went like 30 minutes and I got subbed out injured or something. It was just bad ideas kept happening. So like I have to plan my tinkers so I don't get too crazy, but tinkering is my game for sure. Blaine. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm a little closer to Meg at this point in my fantasy career. I started out playing a lot more like Josh did, trying to learn the game. Uh, found you. I don't normally win as much playing that way. Uh, kind of have to go with my gut, tinker when it's nice, but 
I'm at that point in last year, I had one of my best seasons picking some of those wild ones like Never Vela, just set with your rules, but your gut tells you something and you go. And I decided with that one specifically, I wasn't going to risk getting burned while everybody else could. And I think people caught on a little bit later, but I started that early. And so I missed a lot of his weaker games by just, I could go in with the unpredictable there. But now I kind of, you, you've got to grab those few chalk players that are going to have monster weeks. Uh, I've missed a few of those guys this year and it's really hurt. Um, but I tend to look at a few more differentials, a few more players that may not be quite as high on the radar. I go with my gut and watch form. And that's where I'm at now. And if I could pay attention to more of the season this year, I'd probably be doing better than I am. But last year when I really tried to embrace that, just kind of go with my gut, don't change much unless I see changes on the lineups that I didn't expect. Um, my my rating went up higher. I had one of my best years last year because of that. And so I'm very much a, you take the guys that aren't going to burn you if you don't have them. And then you look for the guys that are, you think are going to edge out the chalky picks and try to make up ground there. So what would your percentage be of of chalk to maybe differentials? I know Meg gave us like an 80-20. Um, and it's- gosh, you're, you're like 100 chalk so so no no breakdown for you but but what's your what's the breakdown you look for it it's honestly week to week um i tend to pick my chalk based on who's going to burn me the most if i don't have them like mukhtar with a good home game is a must own just because if you don't take him and he goes off for 20 points nobody you pick is going to make up that differential right there um but again, you take a, a little bit weaker midfielder that a lot of people like. It's a good matchup, but it may be a road matchup. Or Almada's had a few of those where he's been on the road and subbed out. You kind of got to watch your players and do that. But when some of those players start going chalky for a road game, that's when I kind of look away. So it really is pick by pick, but it's going to be who's not going to burn me if I don't have them. I think for the last round, Arango and Bowanga were the two names that came up. They were fairly chalky. I just I couldn't risk getting burned by them going off with their form. So I slotted both of them on the bench. Um yeah, it's I would say it's usually about 60% chalk for sure. Just there's a there's a floor of about 60%, especially this season, because there's too many good players that are playing really, really well. Um, I did jump off the Espinoza train this year a little bit earlier than a lot of people just because I saw the consistency starting to dip and I went somewhere else looking for a few more points. So that worked for me, but I haven't jumped on some of the other chalky players quite soon enough when they've come back around. So I'd say it's usually between about 60 and 80% for me this year. But really, it is just who's going to have that good game that is chalk, and you can't get away from that matchup, so you kind of have to take them to risk. You can't fall behind the pack, and that's the only thing there. You go chalk when you can't help it, but then you try to look at some of the other ones that are comparable and see if you can't steal a few extra points here or there. I'm not trying to pass the buck for myself, but while we're on this this part of the discussion, what makes a good differential for you also, Meg? Uh what are you looking for when you're trying to identify a differential or differential? I usually, well, I usually look at if it's a home or away match. I don't usually pick an away differential. I usually try to stick with a home player. Um, I don't 
bench midfielders very often. Usually I'll play five mids outright. Um, every now and then I'll throw a midfielder on the bench, but usually it has to be um, matchup uh, fixtures, um, form plays a role. Like if they're, if I see a streak going on and I'm like, ooh, they got a juicy matchup, that defense is weak, then I'll throw them on the bench. Um, and sometimes it's just straight out going to roll the dice and I like this guy, so I'm going to just see what he does and throw him on the bench and hope it pans out. Um, but that's pretty much, I guess, my two cents on it. Um, it's burned me just as much as it's helped me. Um, so there's definitely no rhyme or reason to it. Um, so, I mean, just cruising right along. Like, Yeah, form and matchup are two of the big ones. If you've got a guy on a hot streak and he's playing against a weaker opponent, I mean, that's really where you start looking at it. That starts bordering on the chalk, too, when you see some of that. Um, I like form when I can watch a few more games. This year has been awful. Last year was so much better for it. I actually like looking at tactics and style more than anything to pick my differentials. If you've got an overlapping wingback who loves to get forward, and we've got a bunch of them in this league, playing against a team that likes to play compact in the back or allows a lot more bonus points from those from that wide play, that's where you start looking at those differentials that you, you see a guy who – Everybody knows it's probably pretty good, and he's right there in the pack with some other ones for your list. But then you look at that matchup, and you see three or four extra bonus points from the style of play, and that's where I really start to shine in finding these guys, and I love to see those players come up. And when you can watch that, you just you you realize what's going on with tactics and which defenses you know to target wing backs from which defenses you want to put center backs from so it, it is week by week and some of it is just looking at the chalk and going I don't like that player this week I've got a bad gut feeling on this who do I think is going to have a better week than that guy if I see 80 percent of chat leaning towards one center back and I think they're going to get blown up a little bit and he's not going to see as many blocks and interceptions as he normally would given who they're playing I'm going to pivot to somebody else. And so I'm going to actually use my differentials to try to steal three or four points on the field by taking somebody who's going to have a little bit better week and avoid the guys I just don't trust. And they're chalky guys are chalk for a reason, but you can find those matchups to avoid the chalk. And I think half of picking differentials is avoiding the chalk players that are going to be bad as much as it is picking the right chalk players that are going to be good. <laughs> if you can get an average out of your guy, and the other guy and the chalk player comes in below average, you're going to come out ahead more often than not if you identify that every week. Yeah, and some of this depends on on what you're looking at. So looking at overall players or looking at your your head-to-head matches. So differentials and chalks are going to, to vary at different times. And even within the different um, overall ranking chunks, if you would look at it that way, mm-hmm. something that might be a differential if you're in the – top a thousand might not be a differential if you're in the top hundred things like that so yeah. people depending on if you're playing conservatively playing aggressive but right there um for for me i see in, in chat kingdom fc made a comment about reviewing fixtures building a core core team of guys that that lines up with with how i tend to approach approach a team is the first thing i always do is i look at the fixtures of of the round and just see 
which games jump out to me as like, yes, that is absolutely what I want to do. Who is on poor form? Who is on garbage? And we'll get into some of these specific questions in a, in a few minutes. Um, and, and who are the players from there that I like? And so I just kind of go through, I usually start with my midfield and just start picking some of the, the few players who I'm for sure. Like, I want this guy. I want, I want a Zella. I want, I want, a um, who would the, the, I want to bar y'all. I, I want to have a Bawanga, something like that. And, uh, and like, I, I'll put together this little skeleton of a team. And then I start kind of looking at my positions and, uh, and building out from there. Of course, early on in the season, I know a lot of us uh, focus on budget building. And so the strategy does change. I mean, you're looking at who's producing points, what's their three to five game average. I want to try to build my budget up so that when I get to the two, the, I know the, one the two thirds, one quarter, whatever you want to look at part of the season, I just got enough money I can throw out there and then start getting in people whenever I want. But but I like to look at that sort of core group based on the home and away fixtures as well. That was a good call out, Meg. Uh, just the home game advantage is so real in MLS still, statistically real in MLS that uh, I'm always looking at that, especially when I'm looking at defenses. I like to look at the home away a lot. Um, I, I prefer that for the offensive positions as well, but, but it's, it's something I'm very, very big on with defenses and with, with keepers. I have a preferred formation as well. And, and like Meg was saying, five, five midfielders, I'm a five midfield guy and I'm usually going to be making some, I'm usually going to be running three forward or three, sorry, three defenders. And my, but that those positions are going to change depending on my switchers and otteroos, but it's always five midfielders. I'm usually putting at least two defenders in my team with some switcheroo options and a forward with some switcheroo options in there. So, so that's, that's a formation that I don't move away from often because I feel like it has that good balance of maximizing those offensive points versus defensive points. Do you have times when you had five defenders that might've been the team of the week? Absolutely. But I think more times than not, it's those offensive players and their production right there. So so that tends to be the general approach. I, I don't have a hard and fast rule for chalk or or differentials. There's there's times for personally, there's a reason players become chalky because they usually have a consistency of production. So if I like the player, if I like the match, if I'm feeling good about it, I'm fine with having a team that's 100% chalk. Um, in fact, a week or two ago, that's what I did. I was like, nope, I like all the chalk players. Uh, and just one of the straight up things that, we can acknowledge at this point is life plays a factor too. And a lot of us who are in uh, the top level right now are the hundred top hundred, top 200 type thing. We're, we're looking at lineups when they come out, we're seeing if any of these differentials that we picked up are starting or are in the 18 so that we can make some of those extra tinkers as Matt would say um, as, a, as a season builds. And that definitely helps. And, and that might be more of a hardcore might be harder for, casuals to do but it's it's something that is helpful and the game doesn't make too difficult to be able to do our discord definitely helps that as well with our mm -hmm. with our lineups fee that you can check out to, to help with those things um but there are times where i know i can't do that i don't I, i'll be busy i'll be away i'll be doing something with with the family and so there are times when i do just want give me some chalk have a, my basic auto ruse set up and it's just set and forget and i'll do that depending on what happens and so um, so it, like Blaine was saying, depending on the week really, um, sets it as well. But yeah, I, my, my general approach starts with the fixtures, building the core guys. And then from there, I start looking at the other resources. 
one of the specific questions that we got from everyone, hey, Christian, hey, yeah, people starting to come in. Again, you guys, feel free to share. Feel free to share the social to get some more people in as people start start coming in here. Uh, one of the specific questions that we got from our Discord community was, what's your approach to building your first draft team each week? And so I'll, I was kind of touching on that already, so I'll finish wrapping up. Like I said, yeah, look at the fixtures, add in some players uh, for my initial. And then I like to build my midfield first, like I was saying, is as I kind of start looking at that, who's I'm looking at their opponent, I'm looking at that form of the opponent. Is anyone called up? Is anybody injured? All sorts of things that we're, we're tracking on Discord as well. Uh, and just the general, do they have a new coach? What's what's going on? I mean, those are things that, depending on the time of the year, could could be factors there. What's their home and away rotation looking at for the next few games? Um, do they have anything with open cups? They're looking at some of that fixture congestion as well. Uh, but I like to build the midfield first. Then I usually start looking at my defense. I like to match up defenders and keepers. And so I usually try to at least have have one set right there so I can have a good shot at getting uh, double chances at clean sheets or just some extra bonus points there. I like players that produce bonus points as well. Like Blaine was saying, there are types of defenders that you might like. Do you like wingbacks? Do you like center backs? They have different pros and cons right there. Are you looking for players who are on set pieces? Are you looking for players who are goal dependent? Are you looking for players who are going to be uh, – having those assist chances at forwards as a, as a chance right there. So there's some of those little stats I'm, I tend to be looking at, but um, I lean a lot on form for my first draft and I don't look at chat for my first draft. When I build my first draft, it's just what I think from my initial look, what my gut says and, and I make it there. And of course, budgets. I will make a team my first draft without looking at my dollars at all. And then once I put the final player in, uh, I also throw in at three 4.0 scrubs, usually after I pick a couple of midfielders. I'll just go ahead and put in my placeholder guys. Then I can I'll use Discord to see who's in the game, not in the game, but like some safe, if, who's on a buy, things like that, who's a safe. Oh, and of course, I guess I'll just say now, if, if there's a double game week, it, some of this is out the window because you're looking at those double game week teams. But, um, but I'll have that set up. And once I finish the first draft, then I look at my budget. It's probably going to be red. And then I have to go there and start, like Matt says, doing some tinkering of, okay, what, what, am, where am I willing to cut at? What, what can I do to try to get some of this down? At that point, I might start looking at Discord or some things with chat or some, some other, see what other people are kind of throwing out there with ideas to see, is there someone I've forgotten? But that's, that's usually um, how I take to building the first draft. Um, other than Discord, and there's some people who are on there. I mean, I, I like looking at Ryan's lineup IQ to get information. I, of course, check out MLS Stats. Um, sort of an older website for, for MLS Cheat Sheet has some information with bonus points I like to check out there. And I'll even go to some of the, the official media documents that MLS uh, publishes. It has more in-depth, uh, so MLS Press Box, something like that. It has some more in-depth stats than they have available on their website. It's PDF-based, though, so it's kind of scrolling through. And that's where you can find um, some of the stats that I rattle off every now and then on the show about who has taken the most shots, who's conceded the most shots, who's on the win streaks, where were they scoring in the first half and scoring in the second half, things like that. So I can find some more in-depth things there. But but that's that's my approach usually for, for the first draft. Uh, 
Matt's just joined us back after the, the baby has come. So we're talking about our approach, Matt, to how you build your first draft team each week. I don't know if you want to just jump in and, and share your thoughts now. Sure. Um, I usually, like you said, I don't, I try not to look at chat right away. Um, and it's Monday morning. So I'm usually at work or something or, so I don't, can't really go in right away, but, um, I usually figure out which fixtures I want to target first without looking at chat or players, figure out where the clean sheets could be, where the goals could be. Um, and also look at timing and kind of play around with bench. I usually have all my early people on the bench unless it's double game week. And then I have the, the bench is just like boom, bust players, similar to what Meg was saying. And I have kind of an auto going, but, um, look at timing, look at clean sheets, look at um, potential goals where they're coming from, just sort of fill in my team from there. Um, and then I'll look at chat and see kind of who people are targeting and stuff like that. Um, I like your shout read about using um, kind of extended stats. I use, I know I'm going to say it wrong, it's FBREF. Um, they have some extended stats along with a ton of leagues, but specifically I use it for MLS, looking at shot creating or shot creation actions, um, kind of more progression or progressions for midfielders and stuff like that. Um, that I like to look at depending on um, opponents and kind of figure out, I don't usually get this deep and then I overthink it and it goes terribly, but like certain teams give up more free kicks than others. So who's the free kick taker for this team or which team likes to give up a lot of corners? Who's the, um, the corner or kick taker for this team. Um, and the classic one that we've seen a lot this season that um, Samurai Panda and Discord has pointed out many times is Portland gives up a ton of corners and free kicks. And so picking their free kick taker against them is like a must. We've seen that with Reynoso is a great example. Who picked up a nine without any goal contributions um, against Portland's. Um, I think it was a nine. I'm just, I could be pulling that out my butt too. But um, usually that's how I at least go about it. I usually just kind of figure it out and let it flesh itself out from there. And again, kind of pick out which fixtures I would want to target for tinkering on either game day as fixtures come out or as the week goes on sort of thing. What about you guys, Meg? So I was kind of reading in the chat and uh, Black and Red suggested always trying to stack a goalkeeper and a defender. Mm -hmm. and, and I do that most of the time with an early game so I can throw that on the bench. And if it hits, great. If not, I've got pivot points. Um, but I, too, do the exact same thing that both of you have already mentioned. I usually try to build my team early before looking into the uh, into the chat. Um, I also try to have it done before uh, the podcast comes out. And I kind of use that as a baseline. Like, yeah, I like that they're talking about this player. I already have them in my team. Or you might throw a suggestion out there that maybe I haven't looked at, and then I can go and kind of compare um, who I have in that in that spot with the player that you suggested. Um, but other than that, pretty much um, kind of start with the general and pivot if I need to, depending on lineups. I do that a lot. Um, I know uh, Reed was talking about um, like looking when someone lines up with a certain, like certain position. If I feel like, um, like for example, Wiley, um, when he's not playing defender, um, sometimes he's worth the gamble on the bench. Um, that, that's pretty much on point with both of you. Gosh. Really. Um, it's, it's the same, like, I know I did say earlier that 
I, I pick from the Discord and from this podcast ability team, but I do always start with my own little template and then, and then run from there. I always do the, the five mid fills as well. Um, I don't know how to put a mid filter on my bench. I, I don't know. If <laughs> it, uh, it just doesn't work for some reason. Um, but I will sometimes just go with straight up with a scrub forward and then run my two um, playable forwards on the bench and then run with that. And obviously if neither one of them hit, having that pivot to uh, upgrade that scrub to a actual playable uh, forward sometimes works out. But if I'm going to go for my differentials, that is, you know, very rare when I don't go chalk, they're, they're always going to be on the bench. I can't put a differential in my lineup at all for some reason. Um, That's the safest approach. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So. Blaine. And I always use that in MLS uh, cheat sheet that you mentioned. Um, I've been using that forever. I don't even remember how I found it. I'm sure it's through the Discord, but um, <laughs> I have those BP points probably more than, than I should. And I always choose that over, um, I guess, yeah. So, y'all talk a lot more about statistics than I do. Like, I'm still learning that aspect of the game, so I'm not as statistic backed as when I, I throw a player out there as a suggestion. It's not usually because I have the statistics to back it up. It's more or less a gut feeling, a hunch, um, and usually I'll disclaim that. <laughs> Um, so it doesn't come back to bite me if they're like, oh, I shouldn't have listened to you. Well, yeah, roll with it. Blaine? Yeah, I'm a matchups first type of guy. I go identify those and first team, first people it'll be in my roster. If I find a game that's a three of, I will go ahead and get those three in my roster right away. Sort by the team and just go grab the three I want from that game. And there have been times this year where it's like, no, I'm taking three from this team get them first but after identifying those like super juicy matchups that you just have to have I usually just sort by price and start adding in the most expensive players that have a, a favorable matchup not just go top of the list down but you just kind of start there your best players are going to bubble up in price towards the top see where my budget's at after I completely fill up my team and then start pruning from there to get under budget if I need to sometimes you come in under budget doing it that way and it's all great other times you've got to actually drop a premium midfielder that you didn't really want to down to a little bit more of a differential or see about sacrificing a forward running an extra defender just whatever it takes to get you under budget and where you can cut some money now i may be one of the weird ones here i run four midfielders with a midfielder on the bench almost every week or i am a three defender two scrubs purist on that i think you do better getting your attacking players on the bench i i tend to run a few more high risk guys i like having my two forwards on the bench and i find it easier to pivot to a defender later in the week than trying to find a different attacking player later on so if my entire bench fails i would rather bring in a couple of late defenders to try to salvage some points for a week because if my entire bench fails I'm probably not having a great round anyway and picking up defenders with what's left is going to be the best way I can to salvage what's already a bad week um, 
I get the five midfielders thing, but I also hate having to run a bench defender that I want to come in. I just feel like it limits your Aru potential to have um, just that extra slot tied up for a defender in the back. It's never worked for me. I've never liked it. Um, but I tend to play a little bit more high risk, high reward. I want to see those bench scores. I want to get my Aru's in place. And I want to be able to maximize my offensive potential. And I found running three defenders with two scrubs allows me to maximize my offensive potential. And but I prefer forwards, honestly. I I, I understand midfielders are your are your bread and butter. They're going to get you the points. But I've by the time I get to that fifth midfielder, unless it's one of those crazy crazy weeks where there are five premium midfielders that you have to have. I find when you start looking a little bit deeper, I would rather risk taking a couple of forwards trying to get a couple of goals to beat out that one that fifth midfielder on my lineup. I think it's more potential points that way. That's just the way I've always played it, and I can't get it out of my head to play it that way. But I also like two scrub defenders just because it's cheap, it's easy, and I don't feel like I'm sacrificing a forward position or something where there are a lot more points on the table up front. And this is a good transition because our, our next question is about how do we balance, and it's I just modified it based on a question from Black and Red in chat. How do we balance stats versus form versus player price? And I, I like this transition because um, you touched on the reason for five midfields playing. I'm a five midfields person myself because when you're looking at what players are generating fantasy points, the midfielders have the best chance of generating those points out of position defenders could be up there, but the midfielders have the best chance with getting the defensive points to an extent. They have the best chance of getting offensive points. They're usually in the best positions for assists while still being offensive threats, which is why we talk about who is on set pieces or, or who's on PKs and, and things like that. And for me, it's, I find it preferable to, I may have four solid four midfielders and then a whole big laundry list of question marks for the fifth one but that's when I can go to the stats. I can be looking at who's generating offensive points, who's generating defensive bonus points, who's on form, who has a good matchup. And to me, that's where I would prefer to have a fifth midfielder on the field who has a good shot at getting those points versus a forward, which as longtime listeners of this show know, I rarely ever captain. And it's because I tend to prefer those offensive midfielders in general. And so, um, for for me, some of the, the favorite stats that I like to look at uh, is bonus points. I, I love looking at bonus points because though that's showing you who is actually getting involved in point producing actions. And so um, I like to, if I'm able to discern between offensive and defensive bonus points, that's something that I like to do if I can, because when I'm looking at defenders, uh, I'm either going to want to have a big center back who is just generating all kinds of defensive bonus points, or I'm going to want to have a wing back who is frequently getting to be a goal threat, to be an assist threat, or is generating some sort of other offensive points up there with, with the chances created or any kind of that. Uh, I want to particularly highlight keepers at this point too, because as I've often said, that position has just the smallest variance between pricing of the player and their ultimate points. The majority of points that every keeper will earn is going to be from simply being in the game. 
They're going to get two points for playing 90 minutes. And they're likely going to get a, a, at least one or two other bonus points there. So I don't tend to have a huge priority on expensive keepers as like, oh, that guy's definitely better. I would much rather the one stat year to year that I always see that actually makes the most difference in keepers is ball recoveries. You can't depend on clean sheets. You can't depend on on blockings, uh, blocking PK shots or anything like that. It's ball recoveries that tends to set some of the higher producing keepers apart. And it's kind of a ridiculous stat to even try to to track. And so I tend to just look at fixture form up uh, fixtures and the form of, of a team. And I'm like, this is what I feel good. And I'll try to do the pairing with defenders. But um, I like looking at bonus points. I like looking at, again, just like, I think a lot of us will talk about players who contribute to the team. So who's on set pieces, who's going to be on PKs and and who's, who's out of position, who's getting forward. Like those are some of the things I like. I'm not a big XG person. Um, I don't know if that's sacrilegious, um, XG, XA, great stuff. Soccer analysis puts out all kinds of, of great things as well. But um, I, I tend to look a bit more, maybe it's the eye test is, is I'll look at players and I'll just see what's your, let's just get this, this out of the, out of the air. After like points last week, most of the stats in the game aren't really useful. Three week average, five week average can help you some at the beginning of the season. Where we're looking at maybe who might go up and down, but once you get there, I find the in game stats to be pretty lacking in in usefulness. So you're going to be. I like. I do like to open the player view window though and just look and see like, oh, this guy's gotten a goal and assist in at least oh three of his last five games. I like that. That sounds good. Oh, and he's got a great matchup. I'm feeling all right. Let's let's keep this guy on my on my watch list. So. Um, I'll look at some of those sorts of stats and then, and then bonus points is some of the go-tos that, that, uh, I have. What about you, Blaine? Stats yeah, I mean, form points or stats form price. That's what we're looking at here. I'm a huge one on form. Um, and it, it goes both ways. You want to see, know who's in form and who's playing really well and which teams are clicking as a team. Um, team form matters more than player form to me most of the time as well. Um, and you flip that though, negative team form is also a huge factor in when you're when you're picking these guys. Montreal to start the season was getting absolutely shelled by everyone they played. You were betting against that defense all the time. It didn't matter who you were playing who was playing them, you were taking somebody from the opposing team because the Montreal just started off just that bad. Oh and no, we lost Meg. Yeah, we did. Hopefully they get back in. But player form is a little bit of it. Um, once you find out which teams are playing well, then you look at who the hot player is for that individual team. Or if it's a group of players, you start identifying from there. Stats to me are more of a tiebreaker as I'm looking at differentials. Um, I I agree with you, Reed. I love going into that player screen and just looking. Um, scrolling down and seeing their points over the last few games, I uh, tend to sort by three week average just to see who's got the highest three week average. And then I go look at how they did it over those games in their player window. If they've got a, if they've got a double digit average, but you look in there and they've got a 18 point game because they had a hat trick and then everything else is a two or a three. Okay. They've got one outlier that's really bringing their average up. Not a guy you can rely on. 
if I start seeing an average in the eights over the last games and they're only managing an assist every other game and they're still putting up eights, that's getting into Carlos Heel territory for bonus point production. That's a guy that's playing well. That's when I start looking at stats is who's getting the points without the goals and the assist. And it's really easy to see in the player window looking at those bonus points. But stats are kind of secondary to the eye test on that. And really it's team test and then it's player players from those teams because MLS is a very streaky league. Uh, you're always going to get burned every so often with somebody who is playing really well. Polito in the last round, uh, he had been on a goal scoring tear and then he puts up a five in a double game week. It happens. But more often than not, if you take a guy like that, you're going to get better results. And thankfully I had two other forwards that gave me solid results for the round because that's what I was looking at. I was looking at teams that play well. And so, yeah, teams are my number one priority. I want to identify the best teams. And then I kind of break it down from there, depending on what I'm looking at. If I'm looking at individuals from the same team to put against each other and see who I'm taking, or if I'm looking for my differential, I start looking deeper into stats when all the form team form everything looks about the same then it's who's giving me the most with the least amount of big contributions because that's where you can get your bread and butter points like midfielders always picking up those bonus points if you got a forward that's getting bonus points versus a boomer bust forward that's your tiebreaker right there you take the you take the bonus points because you may get a four or a five compared to a seven with the goal but if that other, if your guy gets a goal or an assist, he's right up there at that seven or nine. So you're you're happy with those couple of bonus points and a little bit less. It's just it's mitigating risk and stuff like that. But team form overall is my number one deciding factor. And I want to call it a good conversation going on in our our YouTube chat right now, where uh, Black and Red made the comment about parity in MLS having an impact on on how important form is, and and Christian weighed in saying that what what he values about form is, as you look at the actions and that if, if players are on form, then it's, it that's likely other going to help the other players on their team. They're going to be getting around them. They're going to be getting the ball. They're going to be getting into good scoring positions. So that's the value of, of form. And I think that's, that's a good shout out to, to make us, we're talking about that. So uh, Matt, for you stats, form price. Form as well for me. Um, I like to look at stats, um, to help kind of guide stuff, especially, um, not to divert it, but especially looking at draft because I also play in the draft league. Mm-hmm. Kinda, if I can predict when a player is going to do well, I can snag them really quick. I think we all play draft except for Reed here, but, um, <laughs> mostly for, sorry to <laughs> our own little club. Um, but mostly for FMLS, um, the classic game, I just look at form, um, except for Polito, for some reason, I ignored his form and missed out on all his uh, chances, mm-hmm. except I took his five this week. I stranded him on my bench, but it was fine. Um, but yeah, there's got to, and as Christian was saying, there's a reason for that form. So you can figure out the reason for that form, whether it's the teams they play, let up a lot of points to strikers, or if people are getting better around that person, or if that person just suddenly found like Polito, his scoring shoes, or is finally healthy in a system that really works mm-hmm. for him. Um, figure out that reason, or just kind of, if someone's doing well, these are like the exciting tinkers I have. If someone's doing really well, and suddenly this matchup looks good, it's a great bench play, if it's an early game. Um, and so if someone's form is great, I'll definitely consider throwing them on the bench. As long, 
And I don't know if we've talked about differentials or chalk picks yet, as long as that's not going to take away from a really strong chalk pick that could um, hurt me against other players and their picks as well. Oh, we'll get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Josh, what about you and Meg? Um, you want to go? You can go first. You start talking. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't consider price pretty much at all. Um, I think this part of the season, price doesn't even uh, come up in my my thought process. Um, I'm going to look more towards probably stats, just because I, I know that's where my BPs and stuff are going to come from. Um, is getting those kind of stats and whatnot. So I'll lean towards that over over price for sure. And form, I mean, if they're on form, they're generating points. So that's another thing that just adds to the repertoire. I definitely look more at form um, when the player's hot, taking them. Um, I'm also not big on looking at price point at this moment. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, stats is not my jam yet. I'm learning, but anywho, I'm more of a form person as well. I think that the key thing, and this was mentioned in chat as well, the key thing about, about prices, it can give you a false sense that because this player costs more, he must be better. And that's and that is just simply not always true. There, there's often a reason for the points, but you can see the players how they fluctuate with with their production. That that that's not always going to to hold true. And lots of times those cheaper players will often be the differentials because they don't have a solid history. There's there's also a penalty. To the prices we've all seen the price of of Messi and to an extent even though some will debate if it is or isn't high enough Blaine tune in next week to see more about that um <laughs> there there is sort of a penalty for you expect someone to be good so you're going to be expected to have to pay more for them and if they're not their price will will go down so that's how our game works uh definitely honorable shout out to weather I don't factor that in a lot weather and travel I'm going to put both of those things in here weather and travel I don't factor those in a lot uh, into travel more than weather. I never really think about weather until I see something delayed. I'm like, dang it. Um, but I will think if it's like, oh, Orlando's going to Vancouver. Well, that's going to be awful. Uh, so there, there's so I, I will try to look at a few fixtures ahead and see what what the schedule looks like. And and that may help me me think about some of that. But one thing I want to stress right now, too, is as you're going through your own process and, and looking through the teams, don't be afraid to, to make that first lineup, look and see what people are mentioning and talking about, and then just start plugging things in. You don't have to save. You can always go back and, and go to what you had, see how it looks. You like it. I did all the time during the show is Blaine will mention somebody, a guest will mention somebody, Ashley mentions somebody, and I might switch up a few players on my team, which means my budget might be different. So I got to look at a couple other guys I might've thought of. And I'll just think, do I like that? Do do I like that better than I had before? And so, like, don't be afraid to do that. There's the tinkering again, but um, just see how it looks and think through it. And and so, don't be afraid to do that because it just how you see it. Be like, yeah, I I do like that. I do like that. I, this is my number one. Or do I want to go with the center back? Do I want to go with the hmm? What's that chance? Or like, play around with your team and see some of that as you're going through this process with your teams. And uh, I, I think that's that's a nice way to sort of think about the balance and then you can start filtering through the stats as you as you go through from there. We've mentioned a few times scrubs. And so uh, I saw a couple of, of references about about this in in general conversation on Discord. And again, this is often 
a big topic at the beginning of the season and for newer players it's harder to but specifically about scrub players what are they when I'll, I'll do the what part what are they when to use them how many to use and at which positions do you put them the bonus question was would you ever scrub a mid and i think we've already touched that well maybe not scrub a mid we've talked about benching a mid but so you, you're welcome to do that but for for the clarity of this conversation anyone listening a a scrub player is normally a cheap as can be player for that position so we're usually looking at 4.0 4.5 here who is if possible guaranteed not to play because that is the player or those are the players who you will use to activate any of the switcheroos and otters which we'll talk about next um and so that is when you would use them is when you're wanting to try to maximize points coming off your bench or potentially maximizing points for a future player that you might add into your team if you don't like what your bench is offering you. How many is definitely subject uh, to, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you all say is your is your go-to how many. For me, it's two. Pretty much every week, like I said, I'm going to have five midfields. I'm going to have three defenders, one of which on my field will be a scrub, and I'm going to have two forwards, one of which on the field will be a scrub. And then I'm going to have three players on my bench who are very likely going to play and I hope are going to do very well so that I will get that that'll be two defenders and one forward and I will get the best two of that lot and depending on when they play and then how it's all set up I would still if I have budget have the option to actually add in another player to replace my scrub if if need be so for me that answer pretty much every week is going to be two and I may even that gives me the ability to use one as a as a keeperoo if if need be. So that's when that's when three might come in for me as if I'm using a keeperoo. But for my field, it's pretty much two scrubs each week, one at defender and one at forward. So um, let's go with uh, Josh, you and Meg this time. Um, for me, um, I mentioned earlier that sometimes I'll just do the one scrub forward and throw two of my starting forwards on the bench. I'll do that from time to time. If I do that, obviously, I'm going to run three scrubs because I want two defenders in my lineup. And I'm basically replying, uh, relying completely on my bench at that point. And then, obviously, I can pivot from there if I need to move away from either, any of those scrubs. Um, and then, yeah, I guess that's all I have. I mean, I always do at least two defender scrubs as well. Um Sometimes we'll run a four scrub, but I've um I do kind of like I already know the player I'm gonna pivot to if my bench doesn't hit. So usually if it's a late game and I'm watching lineups, I'll go ahead and slot the my backup player into my lineup. And then if my bench hits, I go and scrub them out. Um but other than that, I always run two. Like I said, sometimes I'll run three depending on I guess my how I have my team stacked at that particular week always too. Sometimes one of my biggest fears is when I'm starting someone at, at a forward position um, is I'm always worried if I have that other starting forward um, on my bench. I'm always afraid that I'm going to not take the bench points, play the guy that I put in my lineup, and he doesn't get as much as my bench play. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's always one of those inter-demons that I battle with when I'm trying to 
play the scrub or not play the scrub or whatnot. Matt. Um, I always start um four five one on the field with one defender as a scrub. And so I have three defenders starting, five midfielders, one forward, and then a defender and two forwards on the bench. Um all those people on the bench early games, and so that scrub there can um is always gonna bring in one of those people. Um and if for some reason all my bench fails, I can like move budget around if I need to. But um and then I can start picking away at some of the later players if um, and adding more scrubs. But I always start with one, unless it's a double game week, a large one. Then I start with, um, I do a 5-4-1. No, 5-4-2. Is that math? It's summer. Don't, I don't know. No, no um, that's, that's 12 people. That's 12 people. <laughs> there you go. So it's a... A 5-4-1. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh, that works. So that works. Yeah. that works. Yeah, there we go. Okay, 5-4-1. <laughs> Um, and with two defender scrubs, four midfielders, and uh, uh, one forward starting. And that way, it's just kind of, I don't want to overthink it. It's just an auto route. So my two automatically throughout the week, my two best uh, people on the bench come on the field. Um, and they can fight out for the points. And that way, it's, but I always, I scrub a defender first, unless I get really excited about some defender matchups. I, and then I scrub a forward, but I'm not entirely against scrubbing a mid. I know that um, is blasphemy to some to hear. I scrubbed a mid earlier this year, um, which worked out in my favor. But um, that's like a last resort thing where if I really want to match up going for a defender or a forward, or if I'm out of options, then I scrub the midfielder. Blaine? Yeah, I'm the double defender scrub most weeks. It just it works. I like it. I kind of talked about it earlier. I like getting the points from those frontline players. I think the attacking players are better. Scrubbing a midfielder or scrubbing a forward, having a scrub forward on your bench on your lineup, just you're leaving points on potential points on the table. Forwards can outscore a defender so easily. That said, <clears throat> when I get away from that, it usually is like that four five one that Matt was talking about one defender, one forward as my scrubs. Or honestly, if I'm really looking at that, I like to put just a scrub forward in my lineup with two guys on the bench and let those two forwards kind of auto-roof fight it out for that spot. And if they both play well, I've got the option of one of them coming in for the defender. Like if I don't see a third forward, that's when I'm most likely to put a scrub forward in and play another defender and just try to pick up some extra points there. Um on that random topic, will you ever scrub out a midfielder and not see their points late in the week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there have been times where Buanga's played one of the later games and you absolutely want him in that late game. You left him on your, on the field just because you wanted to see all of your other options first. But I think there was one time early in the season, it was down a late game between Buanga and Evander, and I took Evander out of my lineup to let Bowongo's points come in and see what he would get. Now, early in the season, Evander wasn't playing as well, and it was one of those weird matchups where he was just starting to come into form. But yeah, I will t I will definitely scrub a midfielder if the matchup on the other positions is right. So the the final closing thing I'll mention for here is, is I agree with chat that you probably want to at least plan on having one scrub in your team, but you don't have to start with scrubs. I mean, we all mentioned teams that start with scrubs with especially the 
Apple TV era of lineups, you you have some stacks of when games are going to be. And if you have a good split over Saturday, Sunday games, or even Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, that's probably double game week. And that's, again, different different ballgame for double game weeks. But if you have a good stack of, of games, you can always have players on your bench playing before the players on your field. And, and that just lets you preview those points. And so if you don't start scrubs, you still have players on your field who will play. You have the ability to remove them from your field to force a a scrub, and uh, it's it's going to be a way for you to maximize those points. So uh, just keep that in mind as when we're talking about this, you don't have to start with scrubs, and so that's where maybe saying plan for one because you may have a full team, but you might want to drop a guy to bring someone off the bench later on. Uh, and then the general consensus, at least from Christian and Black and Red in chat, is that the the four five one and the three five two are the most versatile formations for you to use if you're planning on using some of these scrubs. Uh, that as as uh, Christian says, he believes the three five two prioritizes a forward scrub and gives you another opportunity to get one of those uh, bang or bust offensive players in there. So, and I would agree. I, I do think the the three five two is probably a bit more of a set and forget team so you can you have your bench set up you're going to get two of the best two of the higher players on your bench you can just stop and go and go from there so but it's still it is also very important to if you have the ability save money in your bank because you do always have the option to upgrade a scrub if you do not like the player who would be coming off your bench and have another shot at getting a few more points right there which could be the difference if you listen regularly and you hear our head-to-head results could be a point or two could be the difference between success and failure at any time. So it's uh it's very important to mention. Uh but this leads us next is a switcheroos and auto ruse. And it's it's definitely an advanced approach that that I can proudly say that members of this community and this podcast specifically uh developed they pioneered uh, this this community pioneered the switcher in the otteru and we directly impacted this game because vice captains used to also be in mls except with our staggered starts you could do what used to be called the caparoo and you could actually force your captain to be a scrub who did not play if you wanted to preview your your vice captain's points first to force them to be your captain and thus get the double points there. So imagine imagine that it was amazing. It happened for one year, and I think good old Ben Jada was like, no, you all broke the game. Might have been Ben, oh. but I think it was, might have been Bear, but I think it was Ben Jada. But uh, yes, so that was that was there. Uh, the switcheroo is a manipulation of the players in the field. Um, and you guys, if, if you feel like I missed something out, please chime in after this. But the switcheroo is a manipulation of the players on the field. You have a player on your field who's going to play. You like the player on your bench better. So you switch out a player on your field for a scrub, thus forcing the the change and the bringing in of the player off your bench. The auto roo is very similar, except it just does it for you automatically. You have a scrub already in your field. It is the default of what the game does. And you have just set up your bench to automatically put in who you want to be to be better. Uh, you have the ability to not, as I said before, not do that and change your scrub so you don't force the auto roo. 
but that's the switcheroo and the otteru at its heart. The other part is the keeperu, which is just the switcheroo, the otteru, but with your keeper, um, which you have far fewer options for that. And it's usually pretty easy to do. And so most people are, are running keeperus each week to have at least two shots at, at getting a clean sheet right there. But that's the switcheroo and the otteru. Um, I don't think I've done a video for a couple of years about it. We have it at at the MLS Fantasy Boss Discord channel. Uh, it, it's like say, a couple of years old, but it's still relevant. But I, I will try to do a, a better one, or at least a, an updated one next year with with other lineups. But anything else you guys want to add about switcheroos? Do you have a preference for for you guys of what you what you use? Anyone can chime in here. For me, the auto I like to use the auto roo on double game weeks. I, I oh really sure. like to do it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really use it any other time though. So I, I did in previous seasons, but I haven't this year. Yeah. The auto roo has gotten more popular this year a little bit with MLS on Apple. Um, with all mm-hmm. the kickoff times being the same, it's a whole lot harder to see and make those manual switches. So if you're looking at a lot more late game players, uh, you're going a lot more with auto roo and just putting a couple of those guys on your bench and taking the best score you get. If you're going heavy on the first game or on the first time slot, you're typically going more switcheroo setup. You've got it where you can either, and see, I look at it the other way too. It's you can either have guys in your starting lineup that you take out because you want to keep your bench score, or you can preview your bench score and realize if you need to panic swap out a scrub sure, sure. Be better. Um, I tend to use the that latter version a lot more. I assume my bench is going to do what I want to do, so I play a little bit more auto style, and then I use my scrubs as emergency replacement replaceable players if I need to go find more points. And that's that's always the way I've played it. Um, really though, I think if we're gonna talk about this, if you have the budget for your players that you want and then some, you want to be leaning more towards the switcheroo style, loading your early games up and saving that budget so you can make adjustments as you see the scores. Either have your targets in mind, being ready to take them out. If you do not have the budget, and early in the season we talk about this too, uh, auto roos tend to be a little bit better. You put all of your money into, what is it? We get 13 field players. 10 plus three subs. So you put all of your money into what those 11 or 12 guys, those first few guys put two scrubs out there and take the best off the bench. You use your money a little bit more efficiently on high end players, or you maximize the points for the budget you're spending by doing that and seeing all those scores, but you lose the ability to tweak. And if you get a bad bench score, you get three bad bench scores. You're stuck with one with those coming in. But I think it's auto roos are a little bit more money friendly in this game until money doesn't matter anymore. That, that's true. And and you you can still do the auto roos of this Apple lineup, but because games tend to start late and stoppage time, things go longer yeah. than expected. You do always have that chance that you might miss something. You can't preview it fully. And so you might have to pull the trigger on something before maybe you've seen those final minutes of stoppage time. So it it, it can be difficult, but um, but yeah, so is fantasy is a harsh mistress. 
All right. So the last question that I have uh, for you guys tonight prepared, you're welcome to mention anything else after this. Um, and we'll check with chat as well is, is a, we've talked about differentials and, and when to, when to choose that, but this is sort of the, the other way of the other side of form. Um, when you're seeing a player or you're seeing a team on poor form, what's that trigger for you? What, what do you have to see in a player to be like, no, I, I like you, but not right now. And what do you have to see in a team to be like, you're hot garbage. I want to bet against you. Like, where's that tipping point for you all, Matt? Um, I think it's still uh, fixture related. So even if a team is being hot garbage, um, like right now, um, I guess a good example is Atlanta's defense is just terrible. Um, we well, obviously messy, but still they're hot garbage. Um, but still, if it depends on who they're playing, if they're attacking players, if there's someone I can say this person is going to benefit from that person. Even if they're or that team, even if they are in poor form, I want them at least on my bench, especially if they're in the early game where I can bench them and go with that. Um, but really, I think I only take a someone who is in poor form and who might be getting better only if they've like I've watched the games before and they've shown signs of like just maybe just having a, a few bad games or missing shots that they usually put in, or um, if it's a rivalry game and they're going to have a little extra um, step and will want to score more, not necessarily never want to score, but the rivalry game kind of adds that to it. Or if it's an early game and I want to throw them on my bench. Um, but typically I wait until that player has shown that they are out of that poor form stretch. Um, unless, uh, like I said, one of the, the reasons I listed, but usually I wait until they show that they aren't in that poor form or that team is getting better. Josh, Meg? Uh, for me, it's going to be uh, what is everyone else doing? You know, I'm, I'm Chaco over here. So um, <laughs> I'm going to listen to everybody else tell me whether I should be taking a chance that his form's going to get better or fading on him. Um, yeah, I'll stick with Chalk. Let Chalk tell me what to do. I'm boring. Valid, valid. <laughs> um, as far as poor form, like I do a lot of the whole matchup based. Um, if like the reason why the player's form might be poor is because they are missing key players in that um, add to uh, that player's ability, then and those players are coming back, then I might be like, okay, well maybe I'll throw this player on the bench, and you know, especially if they're betting against a weak opponent um, and try to see if that'll give me an edge. Um, but for the most part, um, I guess I kind of, it's matchup for me and it's definitely a roll the dice on the bench. I don't start them outright. Blaine. Yeah. I'm, I mentioned it earlier. I kind of answered this already, but team form is a big one for me. Um, if the like you want to identify why a player is in poor form. And I think the first place you need to look is how is their team performing as a whole? If you've got a good player on a hot team that's slumping a little bit, maybe you need to look at somebody else from that team, or maybe you find that week and you go, okay, this matchup works for them. I think this is a chance to get back on track and hope that everybody else is kind of ignoring that player 
because of his current form and try to jump the gun a little bit and get in there before everybody else gets back on him. And then, but when I really find it's easier to determine when to get off of a player because of team form, um, when Espinoza for San Jose stopped doing as much, the team stopped looking as good. Everything was kind of riding on him and he was not getting a ton of support. And I think we identified that shortly after that the team goes the way he goes. So everything's riding on him. He's not getting a lot of support. So while he was playing really well, he was fun to grab, but the rest of the team was not providing that for him. And so he he's a guy that they're unlike Heel, who is always providing for the team, usually in pretty good form. It's just what's his ceiling going to look like, depending on how his team is doing around him. And we got we had a point this year where we were off of him because nobody could score for him. He could set up a ton of beautiful balls, but nobody was finishing them, and it just really hurt his ceiling. So it's kind of identifying where the why the form is bad, and then correcting from there. As soon as Heel's teammates started doing more, his value went right back up where we expected it to be. So I tend to follow teams more than players when it comes to that. And when you see a team doing really well, you go identify the players that are doing well for that team. Now, there are always exceptions. And one of the big things that you want to be the guy to do is get in first before everybody realizes that the form is going to switch. I think Polito is a great example from this year. He came in strong. If you saw him hit that first goal and then immediately go, okay, he's back. The team looks really dangerous. Um, you you got a lot of points. If you're like, ah, is he back or not? If you waffled a little bit on that, you missed out on a lot of points for every week you didn't have him. It's just, that's the way it goes. So you got to kind of identify why form changes all of a sudden. And if you can accurately identify that, I think you've got a lot more going for you. And that's that's why I put so much in form and team form across the board. That's kind of been a theme for me for this whole show. It's just I think the way the team goes, it's a team sport. If the team's playing well, the players are going to do well. And the ones that you expect to get the points generally get those points. Yeah, I, I think Pooch is a good example, too. Uh, Christian mentioned that in chat. That's mm-hmm. that's a good one of someone who changed uh, so the first thing for me when when trying to decide is is just and maybe this is the the obvious one, but results. I mean, the teams that aren't getting the wins that aren't getting getting those points, like I'm going to be automatically. That's what I'm looking for when I'm doing my first look of of like, oh, Colorado's been struggling. Oh, Miami's been struggling. Oh, Montreal's been struggling at various times of the season. This is not current state. Um, like just I can just see the results that they're not producing. It's like that's a team I want to bet against at times injuries and call-ups that's absolutely what we're looking at to see who's there who's not there uh, Megan touched on some of that stuff of of what's what's going on there do I want to bet against a starting keeper is gone do I want to bet against the backup keeper um, a starting keeper and key defensive unit players have been called up there are you missing your your playmaker like things like that are things you want to you bet against for defenses or are the offenses Fixture congestion. We saw that so much at the beginning of this season, especially with Seattle and some of these teams that are that are playing in in their domestic tournaments. Of you just have so much, and I mean, LA got hit with that recently. LA LAFC, but there's just so much stuff going on. Players are worn out there, and it's just be like betting against them or just not picking them for the individual player. 
I tend to be more conservative, especially when players are coming into the league or others. And I usually want to see a couple of games of results before I'm going to be like, feel really good about somebody. I might, I'd be more likely to add a player as, as a bench differential after one good result. I did that with, uh, with Polito and it it paid off, but um, for actually putting them in the field, I tend to want a couple of games of results. Me personally, not a hard and fast rule. We've also talked about coaching changes before. That's a double-edged sword um, because teams, Chicago's done great with with a coaching change. Other teams have not done so well with coaching changes. And so uh, it's something to keep in mind, but not always going to give you a solid yes or no. We've mentioned a couple of times as well, when I'm betting against or teams that are on long road stretches tend to be people I may target. That's a lot of travel. Uh, can be a lot of fatigue depending on what's going on and just not having that home field advantage can definitely impact the team's performance. And the last one I'm going to mention, I think fits here best is players who are in formations with too many options. And I think new England's forwards have been a pretty good example of that this year. Houston's forwards of the past have been a good example when the point and the team, this may be a team doing well, but the points are just being spread around so much that that's not what I'm interested in because you're either going to have to double up on some of those positions, which is going to be eating into your your formation, which I guess I'll add, I tend to be a guy who likes to have some diversity with my team. Um, or you're going to have to take a, a guess as to which forward might start, which forward might be getting those points. It's a little bit easier if you're just waiting to see who is in the starting lineup but if players are starting two or three guys that are all viable targets for for those points, that's stuff that I tend to be like, I don't want to fool with that. I want to look at something else and and go there. So that's that's sort of what I look at when I'm trying to figure out who to bet against, who might be hot garbage, who who might be um, uh, just just worth it right there. I think there might have been one more question I saw in chat, but I can't Let's see here. Oh, this is specifically for you, Josh, since you're all about chalk. I want anybody else, of course, can chime in afterwards, but it's specifically for you, Josh. How do you determine bad chalk from good chalk? Good question. It's hard because there's a lot of bad chalk. Um, I think fixture does help. Uh, you can kind of lean one way or another, but um, I mean, I don't know really because. Um, I just go with my gut when it comes to chalk as far as like if there's, you know, seven midfielders that I want, I'm going to go with my gut on which five to start. But um, I don't know how to really determine which one's going to be bad chalk um, <laughs> unless it's, you know, just other than fixture, um, you know, you know, star defense. I don't want to play a really good midfielder against them if they're still even if they're chalk, um, but I will do it if I have to. Anybody else want to weigh in? I think I think it comes back to form. We saw Almada become bad chalk at a couple of times this year. Atlanta stopped looking as good. They were missing a couple of players. Their defense got a little shaky. And he was either having to track back and do a little bit more, or they were under more pressure, so he got less of the ball. His numbers dropped off a little bit. Honestly, it, it's kind of that – I think – the community when we start talking about chalk because chalk's a community thing i think the community has a set view of how they look at a player and we kind of make blind mm-hmm. spots for ourselves as a yeah. community 
we expected Espinoza to keep that form going for San Jose. And it took a few weeks before people go, oh, is he really, is he still that guy? Well, we make some guys chalk because we like the matchup. We like the player he's done so well for us in the past. Yeah. And we hold on to him a little bit too long or we just assume, oh, they're a great player. They're going to do it. And we don't really look at the team form in the total situation. So if you if you've got a bad feeling about a team or a player or a matchup and you see the community starting to make that guy make one of those key components chalky that's when you want to kind of steer away trust your gut on a lot of that if you feel like a team is not doing well not performing not giving you what you want and then the community starts pushing them that's turn tail and run and I, I will say, more and more and i will say i think fomo plays into this some as well that mm-hmm. and, and mukhtar has been a good example of where we've we've said often at the show he's just struggled on the road and and maybe and that there's data there that supports some of that, but he's not been the fantastic road player. But when you're, if you're looking at the fill a fifth midfielder spot, or if their team's on by, and you're just trying to get your team filled out, you might be like, I mean, he's done stuff in the past. And so that other people are going to have him. Do I want to miss out on him? Maybe doing well, like there, there could be a FOMO element to it as well. Were you going to say something, Meg? Yeah. Um, I was typing. Um, as far as like bad chalk, my take on that whole thing is um, if it's a player that I have a bad feeling about, but if I don't have that player and that player hits and it's going to hurt me, um, I will try to finagle throwing that player on the bench just so he's in my lineup. Um, and then if he busts, like I think he's going to, no harm. Um, but if he booms, then I'm not harmed either because that player can sub it. Now, this doesn't always work if it depends on like how the matchups line out um, and uh, when that team is playing and whatnot, but um, kind of play, you know, a little bit of a safety net, so to speak. Yeah, I would just tag along with um, Meg's point. Um, I think it was Christian a few times in the Discord has said, so if I give Christian credit when he doesn't deserve it, he gets credit, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Congrats, Christian. Um, but um, where taking a differential, I know we're talking about chalk, for, but taking a differential, it's important when you pick someone that's away from the main group, think is that that person you know is going to be good enough to make it worth potentially losing points on everyone else too. Mm. You have to be like that convinced. So you can't just like pick someone you're excited about, which I have done many times and lost ground on a lot of people because the chalk pick ended up being better. Um, so it's like a double whammy a little bit, but at the same time, like when I try to differentiate bad chalk, it's when I can logically convince myself not to pick that person, even if I start having FOMO. So if mm. I make my lineup, I look, and if Mukhtar's on the road, but DC is leaky right now. So maybe we should pick Mukhtar, but it's Mukhtar on the road is bad. Mukhtar on the road is bad. Maybe I'll put him on my bench and that's when I use um, a mid spot on my bench. So that, I have no problem doing that at those points, but I, it's when I can convince myself that it's a bad idea or if Almeida's at Red Bulls, you know they'd lock down 10s pretty well, at least were it towards the beginning of the season. I'll put him on my bench just in case maybe, or I'll fade him entirely because I can convince myself versus I'm not great about gut feelings sometimes. Um, a lot of people have great gut feelings, so props to um, those who do, but it's really if I can convince myself, um, you like not even just going down a rabbit hole, but like actually, and I can tell that my logic makes sense 
even if it's wrong in the end, um, or if the pick ends up being a good one, that's when I can start seeing moving my way away from group five and nothing against the discord chat. Like they have, it's awesome. It's great. And it's really helpful. But if I can start to see it divulge away from logic sometimes, um, which we all do. So again, not to fault anyone in chat. Um, that's when I start to rear away a little bit, consider that bad chalk. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Cause I know oftentimes I mentioned on a show of, of like, yeah, I don't have this guy. I get why you'd want him, but I'm just not sure. That's where it starts to, to be that. Like, I can see the argument. I don't know. So, yeah, that's excellent. And well, go ahead. I would say identifying bad chalk is one of the hardest skills that you can develop in this game. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, chalk is chalk for a reason. And you're you're now differentiating like, okay, we can see Mukhtar on the road versus a good defense is an easy one that, to not become chalk. Like, that, that makes sense. But when Mukhtar is playing against one of the worst defenses in the league, it's on the road. Like now you're having to choose, like you're always picking guys against that defense. That defense is always giving up goals. How do you know when to avoid a guy like Mukhtar? And that is an incredibly hard skill to develop. That's why I say go with your gut. But chalk is chalk for a reason. And if you if you can't really justify getting away from a guy, you may not want to because you know the majority of the community is going to be looking at that guy. Okay, you may eat a three, but the vast majority of other players are going to eat that same three you did. So you're not really losing ground. You're just getting the opportunity to try to gain something. If you go pick up a five instead of the three, you're a couple points ahead. Great. But if Mukhtar does his 13 like he can, okay, now you're down a few points again. So it's go with chalk unless you can really talk your way out of it. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys coming for the show. I appreciate the comments in the, in the chat that's been going on as we've had this. And I appreciate everyone who submitted some questions from the Discord community before the show started. I hope you found some valuable information, some insights, or at least some entertaining conversation uh, from, from the chat tonight. Uh, we will end as we do every week with plugs. So we'll start out. Meg, with your your double crew right there, what do you got? I got no plugs, honestly. Um, this, this community is so great. I know that's what everyone always says when they come on here, but it really is. So um, I guess I could plug her because, uh, you know, she didn't even tell me that I was going to be on this thing until like reaction. an hour before it was happening. So I had to scramble with some notes, and I still butchered my notes, too, so. But she's I love awesome that. She's, I love that she was like, "I can bring Josh to it." And I was like, "Sure, yeah, <laughs> let's do it." Meg, um, I'll go with our Discord community as well. They're incredible. I've I've made some really good friends, and um, I learned something new about this game and this platform every week. So I enjoy it. Matt, it's not much of a plug, but watch the Women's World Cup. Um, Timing's weird because it's not Australia, New Zealand, but it's been a great tournament so far. Really entertaining. And yeah, support the women's national team as well. They're great. Blaine? Uh, not much for me. There's just been a lot of craziness on my end, and that's why I've been gone. I'm glad to be back. Excellent. Well, yes, I can't uh, plug enough the amazing uh, MLS Fantasy Discord community that we have here, the Fantasy Boss Discord community, where uh, all of you all are fantastic contributors to the community. Uh, everyone who's joining us in chat is also great contributors to just this community as well. 
Um, and it's, it's just, it's just great. It's, it's been amazing just to see the evolution of, of things. As I was looking at options, I was kind of looking over the history of the show and it's, it's just wild from, from where things started years ago to, to where we are now. So, uh, definitely big hats off to you, but also to our patrons as well. I know we always mention you at the top of the show, but I'll make sure you get mentioned at the end of the show as well, that, that you guys do help financially with, with the things that we need to keep the lights on literally keep the lights on uh, and the and the fees pay to have access to the content that we have. And it's because you guys are willing to do that and have value here. Uh, that that means a lot to me. And and so thank you so much for for all of that. Um, but it's great. And we will we will also plug Ashley, who is off on vacation and having a fantastic time. And we are very happy for her and hope she is enjoying it and look forward for her return when we talk about uh, which I guess uh, next week we will be talking about the fantasy impacts of Messi. I know you may have been your fill of Messi, but this is going to be a fantasy-focused conversation about his impacts on his team and on your teams and on the, the leagues and the lineups going forward. So uh, we will see who we have for that. Uh, RIP the old chat tango chat. Yes, it's it was, a, it was a great place, but we may have black and red on for that one himself. Uh, but I know Blaine and Ashley, I believe, should be here. So that should be some good conversation if you want to tune in for that. But as always, good luck. Mm-hmm.